You're listening to Robert Wright's Non-Zero Podcast. Hi, Mickey. Hey, Bob. How you doing? Okay, uh, I have a quiz for you. All Who's righty. this person? Who is that person? That is, uh, uh, that's a white male. Definitely a white male. Getting clearer for you? Still I'm a white male. You... How about if I reveal the He's caption? He's a shrinking white him. male. He's getting smaller. There's something wrong, Mickey. Uh, he looks a little but... familiar, actually. Yeah. He? He's, he's disappeared. He's Timothy Geithner. Bob, the man. Oh, he was Secretary of the Treasury once, was he not? Right. I knew. I knew, yeah. Yeah. And why is he relevant? Because he has lowered. Oh, go ahead. You can say why he's relevant. I have no idea, man. (laughs) He's lowered our national standards for paying your taxes. He's Treasury Secretary of the fucking Treasury. And. In in his nomination hearings, it was revealed that he didn't pay $34,000 of taxes. And what's worse, the taxes were for four years. He didn't pay his payroll tax for four years. And two years were too old for the statute of limitations. So when he paid the IRS, he didn't pay him those two years. He kept those. He pocketed those two years and only paid the ones where they could actually prosecute him. Uh, and And how ridiculous was that? Yet... They, he eventually paid the back when he, you know, the Obama people made him pay him back, and well, he Mickey, was confirmed. I, and he was Secretary of Treasury for four years. He was running the IRS, and he didn't pay his fucking taxes. Okay, so I was going to ask. I'll wait for you to put your uh, earpiece back in your ears. You can hear what I'm saying. I was going to ask why are we revisiting this particular part of history? I guess he was in the Obama administration or something. But I fear that you're going to say now, Bob. The next question is, what uh, news story from this week is that relevant to? Otherwise, I am forced to to ask you why, why, why? Well, maybe it was a news story that dropped Friday last week, but the Hunter Biden uh, misdemeanor plea for his back taxes, his not Mm. paying taxes, was Mm. more in taxes. But I, I, it doesn't bother me. We, we, you know, misdemeanor for not paying taxes. Uh, I think the mayor of Chicago, Harold Washington, didn't even file taxes for many years. It's just taxes aren't such a big deal. Documents aren't such a big deal. Trump Trump is a documents case. Misdemeanors all around. That's my solution to all our nation's problems. Just everyone. Hunter pleads to a misdemeanor. Trump pleads to a misdemeanor. Put that behind him. Let let Trump stop capitalizing on his prosecution. Let DeSantis beat him. Everything's fine with the world. So everyone indicted for anything gets an amnesty? No, it has to plead to a misdemeanor. has to be involved either documents (laughs) or taxes. Yeah, I get it. That's a coherent worldview. I just think our major, our two, our major, our two major prosecutions that are now, that that were most most recent prosecutions, are not as big a deal as people on either side make them make them out. And I'm perfectly fine if they plead guilty to a crime; they're criminals, but they plead guilty to a misdemeanor. That seems like a perfectly good compromise. Uh, the uh, the charges against Hunter now that are coming out are much more serious. Uh, did you see the phone call that he made? No. Oh, the, the, he was an, he was a WhatsApp message to to the China guy who was going to funnel him millions of dollars. What did he say? It was unbelievable. He said basically, it, it was incredibly thuggish. I'm sitting here with the president now, and we are waiting for your phone call. Uh, Wait, this was when? Not, who was the, who was the who was the president? 
with the sorry, with the vice president, with the former vice oh, president, with oh, his father oh. when he was formerly vice president. Former, sorry, okay, sitting I'm sitting in, here with the in, former in vice president. That is, that's definitely in different Rehoboth, from sitting yeah. there with the president. I'm Correct. glad we got that clear Correct. up. I got carried away. I got yeah. carried away. Uh, but um, uh, we, you know, we're we're waiting for your phone call. Do not have one of your underlings call because then it will show you that I'm a guy who bears grudges forever. It was unbelievable. But what's in, what's incriminating? Uh, I mean, it's not even. There are not even any strictures on Biden himself at this point. He's no longer in government. So what's the deal? The the deal is Joe. First, Joe said he didn't know anything about his son's business, and if he's sitting there in the room with him, maybe he did know something about his son's business. Second, he's obviously trading on his father's possible future influence uh, to get uh, the money from or, this guy's or current firm. influence. I and, mean, he still and, knows right. people. Right. right. Okay, but it's and, not illegal uh, or anything. It, I thought corrupt. you said it's totally corrupt. I thought you said this was worse than a misdemeanor, which I would take to mean a felony, but this isn't even a misdemeanor. Um seems like uh if 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 So in uh, Nikki's world, if, actual if crimes peddling, are forgiven, but non crimes are crimes. It, it's, I'm it, game. It, well, I, I can go either way. I just want the rules to be clear and I will conduct well, as my you know, life accordingly. As you know, as you know, the, the that fits with 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 what the public opprobrium should be, and it fits with the law of impeachment too, which is, you know, it, it doesn't have to be a crime; it could be something really bad. And this is something really bad. He's trading on the influence of his father. Uh, yeah, but but Mickey, that, Mickey that, if, he's if not he, running if he for had office. That practice, right, but Hunter's if he had not that running for when, office. If he had that practice when <laughs> Biden was. Uh, you know, was was out of office, and he continued to break in money when Biden's in office. There's ar- argument that Biden knew about it when he was in office, and uh, and uh, you know, if 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 the the rumors of ten percent for the big guy are true, Biden himself was profiting from it. It's all sleazy. Hey, okay, Mike Kinsley may be writing an article for Harper. Michael Mike Kinsley may be writing an article for Harper saying the crime is not what's illegal it's what's legal and the public should shame the people who do the legal bad thing and i may actually have the i may actually have the date wrong it may have been when he was sitting vice president well that's very important i mean i look and i don't doubt that there was sleazy shit going on when he was vice president i mean it's at least uh not highly improbable given everything i know but what when what, he was what vice you're talking president, about now seems to, to amount to almost nothing what what well, i don't understand why is uh why well, do you not it, doubt that there's sleazy shit when he was vice president? That well, seems like a big admission. You know, the stuff, the money that uh, went into these like LLC controlled by Hunter. Then at, at roughly the same time, money was distributed to various Biden relatives. Was Biden vice president when that happened? That that is a much bigger deal than this, even though, strictly speaking, it's not a documented crime. It's still a lot sleazier. Um, Mickey, whatever you're looking this is, for, I think put, this is getting your face very close to the camera. Okay. okay? I think I, Possibly I understand closer that. than you want it to be. I understand that it's, it's a beautiful face. The way Hutter is a beautiful boy. And, uh, I'm just looking for what the date of this thing is. Um, <laughs> the, uh, I think it's the exact same transaction, Bob. So it's when he's uh, no longer vice president you're talking about. Or, that's what I'm anyway, trying to we find don't out. know. We don't know. Look, what else happened? Uh, if you are we done with? Uh, I mean, Hunter. 
I, I don't look, my, you know, my position on, on the Trump indictment. Uh, I don't think it, it's it's wise or good. It's banana republicly, republicly. If it is politically motivated, it's stupid politics because uh, it only uh, makes Trump more beloved within his base. And if the idea is Trump is the guy we want to run against, be careful what you wish for. Let, I'll tell you what, let's 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 uh, switch to this. OK, more evidence. Um, here's, the, here's the news quiz for you. What new evidence was there this week that Biden is not fit for office and should not run again? But it was the year was 2017. So when he was out of office, uh, I, I, I want to do a quick reading of the phone call, if that's possible. Uh, OK, tell the director that I would like to resolve this now before it gets out of hand. And now means tonight. And Z, if I get a call or text from anyone involved in this other than you, Zhang, or the chairman, I will make certain that between the man sitting next to me and every person he knows and my ability to forever hold a grudge, that you will regret not following my direction. So it's also a shakedown. Okay, it's perfectly normal, Bob. Perfectly normal shakedown for the ex-vice president. Uh, candidate. I wonder, um, so do we know that Biden was really next to him? Because that's just such a... We don't. Oh. We don't. We could have been making it up, but they uh, but they have now traced... They've now put him in, in the Rehoboth house on that day, put both of them in the Rehoboth house on that day. They weren't necessarily in the same no, room. No, the reason I'm wondering, the only reason I'm wondering is because that's such a weird, thuggish way to talk. I'd almost be surprised. But, but you know, if, if, if Biden... If he would talk that way with Biden listening in and maybe Biden was down the hall and he was going to call him when the guy showed up on the phone, that's probably. Yeah, or he was or he was trying to impress his dad, which how thuggish he could be. Maybe uh, it was very similar to the talk that Biden gave in Ukraine about how he got rid of the prosecutor. And then I told them I'm leaving for the airport now. If you, you know, if you don't get sacked, this guy and sure enough, they sacked the guy. So it's. Okay, but it's it's a Biden M.O. And this is your clue that that is a clue. Biden talking like a hard ass kind of is a clue to the second part of the news quiz. What did he do this week that is more evidence that he's not fit to be president? Well, here's the thing. I think you're talking about his gaffe about China. I I think uh, I think his gaffes tend to make him look better because he seems to convey insider knowledge and nuance in the gaffes even when it's a gaffe. In other words, this time he said in the attempt to uh, exonerate Z, and I assume calm, calm relations, he said, well, Z didn't really know about this balloon. Uh, and either that's valuable inside information. It's nice to know that Biden knows the difference between the president of China knowing and not knowing, uh, or else it is purposeful disinformation designed to exonerate Z. Either way, let's, it works let's to his tell favor. People, then he, let's then tell, he took it all away. Mickey, took it all away by calling him a dictator. Let, okay, good. Let's tell people what happened, just in case they didn't read everything you read this. Week, I was getting okay? there. I was getting there. You keep interrupting. Uh, yeah, that was that the, was what, uh, that was what slowed you down. So he was at a that one defense of him. So first of all, no, let's let's set the total stage. Okay, so Blinken, Anthony Blinken, two years ago, his inaugural visit to China. Uh, gets up at the beginning and harangues them about their human rights record and everything, predictably is going to sabotage the whole thing. And indeed, the meeting, it just dissolves in acrimony, basically. China China responds by listing the various things wrong with American society. It's just, it's just <clears throat> typical blobster. 
being stupid. And and so then now Blinken finally, after the balloon shoot down and everything, is going to China again. And I even wrote a week before in the non-zero newsletter, let's see if he's learned his lesson and he'll shut the hell up about China's human rights record. You can talk about it if you want, but there's no point going over there expecting anything constructive to happen if that's what you're going to do. Um, so he, 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 he he's a good boy. Uh, and in fact, at the end, he says, we reiterate one China policy. We don't favor Taiwan independence, which has been our policy forever, even though some people got upset about him saying that. Um, and then so. So, OK, things are looking a little better. And then immediately the headline is Biden calls she a dictator and the China some China spokesman goes berserk. Now, the defense of Biden that some people are launching is that, well, it was a fundraiser. He thought it was maybe off the record. No, no, no. Ever since, and, and Biden is well aware, or at least once was, uh, of Obama's famous screw up where he thought, and this is like 2008, I think, he thought he was, you know, it was just a fundraiser. It was just donors. And he said that thing about how people in red states bitterly cling to their guns and religion. Very memorable screw up. Established once and for all in the digital age, there is no such thing as a private meeting involving and more than three people. Re and reestablished re when Mitt Romney said his thing about the make uh, the forty nine percent or the forty two percent who pay taxes, and it was overheard at a fundraiser, and that killed his campaign. That was the David Corn story. Yeah, right. But that was four years later, right? I said reinforced four years. Yeah, later. yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and so. So there's no excuse that that Biden just thought, you know, who knows, just because every just because I'm in a room full of people with smartphones, you know, why would this ever get out? Um, and it's just uh, I'm sorry, this is this is serious. And of course, you say that and these people go, oh, you're kowtowing to China and so on. Look, this is we call it diplomacy. And the U.S. used to be good at it. And uh, it, it's, you know, and, and but anyway, Biden, I don't I. I don't think the Biden of 20 years ago does this, but, uh, you know, <laughs> I, well, he was always a loose cannon, but I just think it's worse. It's more evidence. Get him off stage. You know, if the Democrats care about their country, their their party, the world, anything, they'll find a way to push him off stage. People misspeak all the time. Biden's red line comment about Syria was much more serious and he wasn't ushered off stage. Wait, wait which which comment was that? Where he where he said that if if Saddam if sorry if uh, uh, the head of Syria Assad. whatever his name is Assad was it if if he uses chemical weapons that that would be a red line or something you mean Obama then, Obama 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 yes right and he said Biden yeah. um, and, so, and okay Obama and 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 the red line was crossed and Obama decided not to do anything he should never have said it in the first place as people pointed out at the time. Yeah, but I think that was at least intentional. I mean, that was just classic blob idiocy. That was just stupid policy. I don't think that was a, was that an improvisation? I think he sort of had it in his head and sort of went over the line, I believe. I mean, the other thing he said is Assad must go. That was super stupid. They were both stupid. I mean, the one that is an invitation stupid. for a false flag attack, which by the way, we're doing again with- It was uh, also an invitation for all these people to risk their lives and revolt against Assad and they were all killed. Terrible thing to say. Uh, well, you should have said. You said if you should have said if you're if you're starting an armed revolution against Assad, don't count on our help. We're yeah, with you, but I, don't count on our help. We're not going to save you. 
I mean, the red line uh, line uh, was an invitation for a false flag. And and there's, I think, another one of those brewing in Ukraine around the uh, nuclear plant. I think Lindsey Graham and somebody else are writing some letter saying that, I mean, Zelensky started talking about how Russia is going to sabotage the nuclear plant. Uh, and they uh, they wrote some letter that I think amounts would amount to, if taken seriously, encouragement for false flag attack uh, that that would be, you know, an attack that would be blamed on Russia and, and an invitation for us to intervene or something. The um, speaking of which, uh, oh, well, yeah. Can, can we give a, a verdict on Biden? It was a mistake. OK, it was it was bad. One another reason why the Democrats might, might want to usher him off the stage. Mm -hmm. And don't you see how that fits with what we were talking about at the beginning, which is that they are going to use the Hunter Biden 10% yeah. for the big yeah. guy scandal to usher Biden off the stage. No, I said that before. Yeah. I, I, I okay. said that, so, that, the, so. that the general aura of sleaze, um, that that whatever the underlying truth looks like an aura of sleaze uh, is another reason for him not to be the candidate. Um, but it's also the means by which they're going to make him not the candidate. Oh. In other words, all, all of a sudden, all the Democratic a lot, some of the Democratic U.S. attorneys and some of the Democrats in Congress are going to somehow let leak all sorts of damning evidence on Biden, and the press is somehow all of a sudden going to be interested in it, and all of a sudden Biden's going to be in trouble and announce he's not seeking a second term. And you think this is That's part of scenario. that? This particular evidence that just came out? How did the transcript come out? Oh yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's from a uh, we buried your a lead. whistleblower, this a whistleblower who is uh, appearing. Uh, who, who gave testimony to many of the, uh, to uh, the House, I believe, and the Republicans are promoting it, but the New York Times is finally covering it. Uh, they gave it. They, they that quote I got, quote I read you was from the New York Times. That's a sign. If the Times, if the mainstream liberal media starts paying close, you know, and you don't, a lot you don't see Republic, you don't, you don't see Democrats going around. This whistleblower is a liar. You know, he's he he can't be trusted. You know, they're not saying that. Um, I want to say something about Ukraine, but first let's talk a little about RFK because that's relevant to this. I I think we may have reached peak RFK, but tell me what you think about this. I mean, first of all, okay, so there's big brouhaha this week. Uh, well, two two kind of uh, Twitter Musk related brouhaha's. There's the uh, Zuckerberg Musk cage match, which we can talk about in the in the parrot room. But there there's also um, the uh, the the Peter Hotez, uh, the Joe Rogan uh, invitation for Peter Hotez to debate RFK about vaccines. Hotez doesn't want to. He's a virologist and a doctor. Um, and uh, I don't I can't tell how much attention this got, like whether on cable news and so on. But I do have a theory that once RFK really becomes prominent, the first thing that happens is the 20% of the people who have said they've support him when they hear him talk, some of them may be put off by his voice. He has this, uh, this, uh, dystopia, you know, a, a muscular disease that impairs his voice. And I think that may happen, but also I think now the, you know, official mainstream like resistance type media is much more devoted to discrediting him on the vaccine stuff as a result of this latest round. Of well, it, was, it was worse than that. It was as if a memo went out suddenly 
There was, first, there was a story in, in the New York Times saying the White House is is troubled by or annoyed by by RFK Jr.'s campaign. It's a problem for them. And then, as if that was the starting gun, all of a sudden, virtually every news outlet in America started trashing RFK Jr. And this Joe Rogan thing was part of that, but there was much mm-hmm. more than that. They were every everybody right and left was trashing him. It was about time he got trashed. He was getting too good, too much good publicity, but it was eerily, uh, you know, coincidental. All the but it's hard to say because wasn't the Rogan thing a lot of the impetus for it? Rogan's certainly not in the tank. He's he's not trying to undermine no, RFK. I think I think the Rogan thing just came along conveniently. Well, anyway, I I, I was hoping he would at least get taken seriously enough so that somebody else could rush on stage and, and say, I can save us from RFK. I'll run against Biden. Well, I think that'll happen. Well, not if RFK it, fades. They'll have to come up with another reason. Oh, he's not going to fade totally. He's, he's, I all, think, that counts is, all that counts is how much he gets in New Hampshire. And he's, if he gets around, you know, and now his expectations are probably above 15%. If he sticks below that, then yes, he'll, he'll, be considered to well, if nobody jumps in until new hampshire we're in trouble man i i, I want to see action oh i know who mark milley mark Lyndon, milley, Lyndon, mark milley Lyndon should johnson. retire and run lyndon johnson uh uh retired after new hampshire um the you you're serious about milley ah, look he'd win he'd win i'm not so sure against trump uh um, he'd win in the general Look, my, my whole thesis is almost so sure. anyone can beat so Trump. Sure. You can beat Trump. I can beat Trump. There's one man who can't beat Trump, Joe Biden. I don't think that's quite right. It's all, it's many polls show Trump ahead at the moment. but uh, That's my point. The, they show the great, him ahead of Biden, right? Right. That's, my, that's what but, I'm saying. But, Biden but can't. I think, Biden. I think, what I mean, I think the they, literal they truth. Being pretty, they show Trump being pretty strong, in other words. My actual position is. Biden stands a good chance of losing to Trump, like at least a 40 percent chance. And very few other mainstream Democrats would stand as high chance. You don't need much to beat Trump, but you can't be an 80 whatever year old with incipient dementia. That's a problem. I think a lot of people would lose to Trump. That's my point. But uh, there are Democrats who would beat him. Uh, I'm not sure about Mark Milley. I mean, with the. Uh, you know, what are the, the progressive left that comes out to vote for the Democrat? Would they, they love Mark Milley? He's um, woke. He's woke. Right. That's my problem with him. <laughs> That's your problem. Uh, you're not a progressive Democrat, but uh, I'm a swing voter, Bob. Yeah, I'm a crucial swing voter. Mm-hmm. I so, should move to Waukesha County. I'm such a swing voter. So anyway, uh, what else is there talking? You want to talk about a little Ukraine? There's, the, yeah, there was one interesting thing that was said about Ukraine that I wanted to tell you, but you tell me uh, the, this. No, uh, go ahead. Go this, ahead. This, well, this counteroffensive is uh, somewhat Kahootek-like. Uh, it is disappointing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Bill Galston made an interesting point, which is it, he was saying what is, is, is my party line, which is maybe Ukraine will have to accept different borders and negotiate. And if the offensive counteroffensive fails... That's the reality they're going to be facing. But he said, and they they want to do it now in case Trump wins. They're going to get a much worse deal after Trump wins. So they want to cut the deal when Biden's president. So better start thinking about it now. He's saying that's what how they should be thinking. That's not how they are thinking. Correct. Correct. Oh, I mean, who knows? Uh, 
you know, again, Trump tends to surrender to the blob in the end. I, I'm not sure uh, how different that would all be. But uh, I do think, I mean, well, first of all, yeah, it's not going well. A lot of signs of that. Um, people saying it, even Zelensky saying it's not progressing as fast as we had hoped. Uh, maybe the the clearest sign is uh, that. Um, <laughs> I can't. How can I possibly be blocking on his name? Um, you know the the former what? No. no, the former ambassador. Oh, McFall, McFall, your friend. Yeah, my friend. Your frenemy. Where would you be without him? I even wrote him? about this. I mean, this is how out of it I, this has been like the worst week of my whole life. But uh, I, I, my my brain is completely dead. Uh, but. Um, Who am I but, speaking to, please? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, but but McFall uh, is, is suddenly saying we need a peace envoy. He's now suddenly in favor of diplomacy. Now, if you read his piece about it, it's bullshit, basically. But still, the fact that he even thinks he needs to conceal his hawkishness and dovishness suggests that the wind may start blowing that way and people are realizing this offensive may well go nowhere. Um, the, you know, the offensive hasn't failed, but plan A has failed. And I don't know if they have a plan well, B. They've only committed a quarter of their troops. Yeah, but it's just so been... They've got, they're way behind where they'd hoped to be. They've taken very substantial losses of men and equipment. And they're, they're almost certainly taking more casualties than Russia. That's just the way it works on offensives, unless they right. are blindingly successful. Um, and if they keep it up for another couple of months, um, they're going to be screwed. Because, uh, first of all, I mean, you remember I proposed a couple of months ago when I went back and listened to the video. It was the, uh, I think, the April 28th episode of our podcast. I said, cancel the offensive move to defense, use all these freshly trained troops and equipment to have an impenetrable defense, Putin will have to negotiate. Well, Putin is much less in a mood to negotiate now than he was three weeks ago. Now that he's seen that the, that the offensive, which for all he knew would succeed, is flailing. Okay, so secondly, if he does want to negotiate, he's got more leverage than he would have had uh, three, three weeks ago. And he's going to have a lot more leverage if they continue this thing for two months and it keeps going the way it is, because at that point, he's going to be thinking, you know, I might be able to make some real territorial gains here. Uh, and as he, I've, I, I've talked about that. So, so made, it's not too late made, for them to switch to a defensive posture, yeah. but they, they won't be smart enough. And he may want to wait for Trump himself. I mean, I, I well, you think Trump is going to prosecute the war as vigorously as Biden does uh, through proxy? I don't think so. I don't think there's good look unless this offensive uh, does a big turnaround and it could, it could, it could, but it's really not going well. And unless it goes well, Biden's not going to want to prosecute this war for much longer. He's going to be wanting to wind it down. It's just a question of the wind down rate. And the, I, I mean, you know, how about, how about this scenario? Trump wins and, and Zelensky miraculously comes up with the goods on Joe Biden and Hunter. And all of a sudden, Trump's on Ukraine's side, and the war goes on for another four years. Uh, grand unified theory. That's great. Uh, the um, well, they are the the two incidents aren't that far apart. You know, they're not unrelated. Now, one one can I talk about the dam a little bit? 
by the way, this guy, uh, there are other people proposing this, uh, that it's it's uh, Daniel Davis, this colonel who 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 only appears on Fox News because MSNBC and, you know, doesn't doesn't want to hear anything rational about the Ukraine war. Um, he he uh, he says. Uh, the prudent course of action for Kiev would be to suspend its offensive, convert to positional battles along the line of contact to ensure Russia can't attack and force anywhere and began building their own line of elaborate defensive fortifications, there is likely still time to build a strong defense, and Ukraine still has strength enough to man a powerful defense of their own. Unlike me, uh, he's actually an experienced uh, person who knows what he's talking Why? about. Isn't there some military trick that they... I, I didn't expect, like, a picket's charge right into the Russian lines. I expected, you know, why can't they land paratroopers behind the Russian lines and attack them surprise from the rear or something? Why can't they do a pincer movement or a something movement? Or I know nothing about the military, but this seems very plotting for their brilliant generals. I thought there generals. was going to be either some super clever strategy or some secret weapon. But the thing is, the opening stages haven't gone well enough to even know what the strategy really was. I mean, there are these several lines of attack. Uh, the goal was probably for one of them to be so successful that Russia had to divert forces there. And then we were going to see where the real attack was going to be. But but they didn't Ukraine didn't succeed in uh, in in causing trouble along any of these. I mean, of course, a lot of people died on both sides. I mean, but but they didn't uh, they didn't make a significant enough breakthrough to divert, uh, you know, to, to kind of warp Russia's overall force structure. They cl they claim to be making gains around Bakhmut. Your favorite town. Yeah, well, meanwhile, north of Bakhmut, the Russians are making gains. I honestly think oh, really? if, you, if, you, if you do the math over the last week, I think Russia has gained more territory than Ukraine has in the during the Ukraine offensive. It, and this is what I was warning about. If you focus all of these troops on an offensive, your defensive lines have got to weaken somewhere. Um, the uh, So can I talk about the dam a little? Yeah. So I have increased... Uh, my estimate of the chances that Russia blew up the dam have gone from 0% to like 5 or 10%. My estimate of the chances that Ukraine did it have gone from like 10% to like 60%. I still think there's some possibility that it was uh, just a collapse. But there there was this, this New York Times story uh, saying that two separate seismographic stations had detected two significant explosions from at least within a 20-mile 15 mile zone that the dam is part of. They acted as if that made it very likely that it was an explosion. Of course, the Times didn't even entertain the possibility that it was Ukraine doing it, even though we know that they have scuba divers who blow shit up. And we, uh, I've also heard, but again, this is not the kind of thing the Times would explore. I heard somewhere, I don't know if it's true, that, you know, Ukraine controlled one side of the dam, one end of the dam. I've heard that there were, uh, you know, that the tunnels in the dam go all the way across. The interior of the dam is accessible from that end, too. So it's conceivable that even if it did blow up, um, that Ukraine did it. The evidence that Russia, that Ukraine, uh, or, well, whether you want to say that Ukraine benefited from the collapse or that Russia suffered from it, uh, however you look at it, that has only grown. Uh, it was completely predictable. I, I want to play you uh, something that will um, that will uh, kind of convey what the new line is 
on how uh, on how on 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 the new line is on how how we frame Russia's uh, complicity in this. So this is a guy named Jack Watling, I think former general or something, totally mainstream, you know, respected mainstream analyst. He's on some uh, podcast, and he, he this is what he says about the dam. If one more thing, I should add, there are wild parts. Uh, the enemy always gets a vote. You know, they they blew up the the uh, the one dam uh, on the Dnipro a few days ago, and it it was disastrous for the Russians. Uh, they didn't. I don't think they realized how bad that was going to be. See, so the the new line is that Russia meant to blow up the dam just a little. Not clear what good that would have done, but they made a mistake and blew it up a lot. In fact, there's a recording of you know Russian voices. This was. Uh, provided by and the general pattern here is all evidence the the, the evidence that it, it was an explosion the new york times got from places other than the ukrainian government all evidence that russia did the explosion comes from the ukraine government um right. and one of them is this uh quote where they uh the it's two russian voices and they say quote our sabotage groups were there. They wanted to create a scare with the dam. It didn't go quite quite go according to plan. And I mean, they have to say something <laughs> like this. They have to say something like this because it was obvious from the beginning, although you won't read this in much Western media, that this was on balance, if anything, bad for Russia. It's become only more apparent since then. The whole reservoir has dried up. What now runs through the reservoir is just the Dnipro River. So now in principle, anywhere... Uh, Ukraine can throw down a couple of quick bridges and do a river crossing. Russia doesn't have entrenchments to defend against that. And now they have to worry about that. Um, Why shouldn't Ukraine launch a quick strike right now before they can rebuild their defenses? Well, they're defenses. kind of otherwise occupied. I mean, they don't have a lot of spare troops, but they have three quarters of their troops left, according to the article I read. So anyway, the official story that no one questions is that Russia used two huge explosive devices because they wanted to just kind of blow up the dam, but not really blow it up. And then it really blew up and they were shocked. I, I, it's just crazy. It's just crazy. And this, uh, I don't understand how the, it's just, the interior of the dam is sort of a, is a seat, is a DMZ. It's like, no, no, it's like, it's like they have, they have soccer matches there and are friends with the Russians underneath the dam or what, what's going on underneath the dam that's right they, they sing christmas carols on christmas eve like, right. like in those trenches in world war one um no it's it's russia definitely controls the interior part of the dam building on on the russian side there's this big building with all the controls and people are saying they probably put the bomb like somewhere in there under under you know in the interior of the dam i heard somewhere but i again i don't know because I, I, I'm, you know, English-speaking media is unlikely to tell you um, definitively. I mean, the Times, uh, you know, would never look into something like this. But, but um, that even from the Ukraine side of the dam, uh, there is a tunnel. You know, you can access the interior of the dam. And I presume if that's the case, they long ago just, just implicitly agreed on a deal where, okay, here's a closed door. We don't go past it. You don't go past it. If if it's the case that it's accessible from the Ukraine side, I'm not sure it is. Now, it is the case, apparently, that uh, the, the guy on YouTube who argues for structural collapse points out that Russia 
had only been opening the sluice gate on its side for months. And he thinks that asymmetry, I think, could have contributed to the uh, trouble. And the reason is, apparently, you know, to open the gate, you have to get a, a guy over there in like a uh, like a crane or something. It's, it's very complicated. And he thinks they were afraid that that person would be shot by Ukrainians. And so they don't venture uh, over on that side. But that demonstrates that the Ukrainians are kind of in control of that side of the team. So, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I'm sure I seem to be making a bigger deal out of this than it's worth. It's just the accumulated frustration. It's like you and the way the media w was covering Trump, you know. What? It what just a, gets frustrating. Right. What about the argument that uh, one of our readers made, which is that Cy Hirsch's story is not discredited? We may... Uh, this is this is this is uh, not with the dam, but with the other story that's super frustrating, which is the coverage of the blowing up of the pipeline. It's relevant uh, to the dam that that, uh, that, um, that Ukraine did it, but they were really helped by America. So the secret unit that Seymour Hirsch talked about may have actually, you know, maybe maybe three of the Ukrainians were really Americans from the secret unit. This is this is on the assumption that the Ukrainians aren't as good as the Americans, which is a false assumption, mm -hmm. obviously, but. Uh, well, there are in the Discord documents, you know, this uh, intelligence report that the U.S. gets from a European nation that Ukraine is planning this thing. I suppose it's conceivable that the European nation didn't know that the U.S. was in cahoots with the Ukrainians. OK, but, right. but still superficially, that seems a little at odds with the scenario you just outlined. And the other thing I, I we mentioned this last week is, is uh, U.S. Uh, maybe leaked or something that they warned Ukraine against. But that that could be bullshit, I guess, because I think that's just some kind of leak. I don't think that's in the uh, Discord document. Well, even know. if we were going to do it, we would probably warn Ukraine against it just for the record, so it would look good. Um, right? Yeah, uh, I guess. So, uh, um, I, I, I'm On that one, I'm going with the most parsimonious theory, which okay. is that Ukraine did it, and uh, we didn't, but who knows? Um, the other, right, the other, right, the other um, Ukraine news was that they seem to have abandoned this idea of a fast track for Ukraine into NATO, although your theory, which seemed crazy to me six months ago, that as part of the deal, Ukraine's going to have to be part of NATO, seems to be widely accepted. It's just not on a fast track. Um, well, they've been technically, technically, NATO has been saying they expect Ukraine to eventually become a member ever since. 2008 um i uh right but we were against that because it was provocative to putin until you turned and said it was the, a good idea on a dime unexpected i was just saying yeah. that look if there's going to be an end to the war ukraine is going to you know to get ukraine to to uh unless their back is just completely against the wall to to get ukraine to agree to a de facto end of the war there's going to have to be some kind of security arrangement they consider ironclad one scenario is NATO membership. You now it may turn out that Putin uh, needs a fig leaf and can't be seen as accepting that, even though there's going to have to be a security structure that's in some ways tantamount to NATO membership. I don't know. Um, but yeah, the last, I think Zelensky up until this latest uh, NATO meeting, has that happened yet or is it happening now or something? Anyway, uh, um, it's I about it, to happen. Um, was gunning for something significant, and I think I think it's been pretty clear. It's become pretty clear he's not not getting much, at least not anything like a, actual uh, NATO membership offer or a, 
Right. Um, um, so um, I think we have time for one more big topic or maybe two. Uh, go ahead. We have um, uh, the uh, rapidly metastasizing Republican field. We have uh, uh, number metastasizing uh, is kind of an unkind word, Mickey. Right. That was a loaded word. Sorry. Um, we have uh, one official, two official candidates, Will Hurd, who is a, uh, a Republican former congressman from a border area in Texas, who is apparently the darling of the bulwark. Um, and uh, I think Mayor Suarez of Miami, who mm-hmm. nobody could figure out why he's running except he hates Ron DeSantis. Two mentioned people. Yeah, there's a uh, theory. I think that that's his role is to undermine DeSantis. His role is to say, I know Florida. DeSantis is full of shit. He did a bad right. job. Um, yeah. Uh, Bill, Bill Sher and Matt Lewis were talking about this on the DMZ podcast. It, it, yeah. I forget the details. Yeah. Um, uh, Christy Noam of South Dakota is making noises. She has all sorts of unnecessary ads featuring, uh, featuring her attracting jobs and workers to South Dakota. Uh, and, uh, governor Scott of, uh, uh, sorry, Senator Scott from Florida, fresh off his tremendous showing, failing to regain the Senate for the Republicans, uh, is thinking about running for president because they all want to be president. And I have a, I have a, I have a, I was accused on Twitter of, uh, on this show, just, uh, advancing unresearched hot takes. Mm-hmm. So here's my unresearched hot take on this. It's good for the DeSantis because if he beats all these other contenders for number two, he will look stronger. In other words, he now doesn't have to beat Trump before New Hampshire. He he, he doesn't have to beat Trump even in New Hampshire. He just has to do really well. But if he beats all the other pretenders to the Trump challenger, he looks like a big man. And then four years from now, he's the guy, is that it? No, he, then then he can take on Trump. Oh, but he, oh. he, he then he 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 looks he, he looks good if he beats all the other little guys who will be gunning for him. They're not going to be gunning for Trump. They want to they want to be the challenger to Trump, so they're gunning for DeSantis. But isn't the fundamental uh, problem that Trump has uh, about fifty one percent of the vote locked up, so they're all screwed in any It's event? dipping to forty nine and forty eight in some polls, and and it's early, and national polls, as everybody says, are are not all that useful. What wow. matters is the Iowa and New Hampshire polls. He's still like way ahead there, but like 20 points, 20 points is completely, uh, you know, recoverable in New Hampshire and Iowa. Eh. I hate that I'm defending the Iowa primary it, caucuses, that they shouldn't exist. But now they've become crucial for my guy, so I have to pretend that they're a valid Democratic tool. I, I like the Norman Rockwell part of them, you know? American citizens what about the, what about the part, in a diner. What about the part where they... Don't know the result and never find out. How about also that? where they designed <laughs> some app that? Oh, oh, you mean that? This That's is, we're the, app. the same thing. Yeah, the app. Well, no, uh, they, I claim they still don't know the results of the Gephardt Simon race in 1988. Although yeah. Gephardt partisans tell me I'm full of shit, but um, well, well they didn't have uh, smartphones in Norman Rockwell's era. You can't have everything. Do you want Norman Rockwell's America, or do you want to be able to count votes? Make up your mind. We'll hate that. Uh, we'll get back to that smartphone point later. It becomes relevant. But um, so uh, anyway, uh, that's um, uh, 
DeSantis also, there are two, a couple, two little things. He came up with a student loan position that seems vaguely liberal. He said, uh, you know, I, I don't want anybody to have to be burdened with a loan to go to college. Okay, mm-hmm. well, what are you going to do about it? Sounds like a federal subsidy on the way. Uh, so uh, that, that it, it, it was phrased very well and very appealingly to sort of be a moderate, appealing position. Uh, he, he also delivered this uh, attack on Trump where he was asked if he would support him, and he obviously launched into this prepared attack, but was quite effective on how Trump said Cuomo was a better governor in COVID than he was, and he was full of, sh- full of it. So I didn't say full of shit. He said full of it, um, and barely, barely gave the barest acknowledgement that well, you have to, if the people vote for Trump, you have to respect that. He didn't say he'd support him, but he said you have to respect that. But he has this weird tick that I'm trying to decide what I think about when he before he talks, he sort of rolls his head around like a bobblehead and sort of gets his neck together. And I guess this is something that like you do as a baseball batter before you take a swing, you sort of get all your spine aligned or something, or a golfer. I mean, does a golfer do that? And it's at first I thought it was just really obnoxious. It's like, it seems sort of smug and, you know, okay, now I'm ready to tee off on this guy and you all are fucking idiots. Here we go. Uh, But now it's become sort of endearing. I would be upset if, if he lost it. I pity, I I pity people are listening to this and not watching it on YouTube and didn't see your 20 second bobblehead illustration of the dynamic. It was good. Uh, I may not have captured the smugness of it, but um, it's very quick. But it's it uh, it telegraphs something, and I don't know whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah. But I, I um, I've become to sort of like it. I mean, it's okay now. I'm going to let him have it. I mean, isn't the conventional wisdom that DeSantis is just tanking, and and like you're the only person still talking about him? No, he's holding steady. At, uh, the, the, the conventional wisdom was that every time he starts to get traction, they indict Trump on another crime, and Trump soars again in the polls and everybody's forced to say how much they love Trump uh, and how unfair this prosecution is. So he's holding, he's holding at 20% and he's, he's started to get traction a couple of times and failed because of this dynamic, but nobody else is really getting a lot of traction. And uh, you know, he, it's, if you see the polls, it's still a three tier thing. It's Trump, DeSantis, the back. Hey, here's a question, two questions. One is, aren't there enough people who really don't want Trump to become president, including Republicans and including rich ones, that somebody will work hard to create a third-party candidate who takes away from Trump? Part two of the question is, who would Robert Kennedy hurt as a third-party candidate? Uh, the conventional wisdom is he hurts Trump, hurts, hurts, hurts Biden. R- I R- think R- that's K. right. Okay. Yeah. And, and the, it's um, not obvious. When the, you the, look first at actual- the first question is, the first question is a very interesting question. And uh, why isn't there a, a candidate, a, a, a no-labels candidate? Everybody assumes that no-labels candidate is going to elect Trump uh, because it's, you know, run by the wife of a Democratic, mostly Democratic bolster. And uh, they, they, the people that flock to it tend to be goo-goo, uh, you know, good government types who probably mm-hmm. are not going to vote for Trump. Uh, so why, do, why don't they find a, some sort of John McCain figure to dilute Trump vote. And I think the answer is uh, uh, the night is young. Uh, You're not the only person, you can't be the only person in America to have thought of this idea. And somebody's going to do it. And there's going to be some some bulwark, never Trump Republican, you know, who will will do this. Maybe, uh, 
I mean, it, you know, who's, who's, you know, Evan Conehead or whoever the guy is who always runs in Utah against uh, Evan McMuffin. McMullen. Evan McMullen. Mm. McMullen. Mm. Uh, I mean, he hasn't got nothing better to do. Why, why doesn't he get another bout of fame and now, run for president? Is he? Bill, is he a Bill, Bill Crystal? Crystal Bill he's Crystal a, will endorse him. And, and, yeah, you he's know, a, is he a Crystal creation? I don't think so, but he... Crystal definitely backed him when he was a nobody. Well, Crystal always creates what? people he actually would like to be president. So it would be a switch for him if if he uh, created uh, a Trump destroyer. Well, right. the, I'm sure he would like McMullen to be president. Yeah, but McMullen... I'm sure this McMullen, person will be like somebody Crystal would be happy to be president. It's not like just any Republican would be a, would be a Trump destroyer, right? A lot of them uh, would hurt Biden more. Will Hurd would be a good candidate for the Trump destroyer. I think, because he seems pretty conservative on foreign policy. Hmm. Uh, conservative, that's a, meaning, I, I, conservative meaning like Trump? I should come up with one by next week. But the problem is we have to hold him in reserve and he can't run if DeSantis is the nominee. Yeah, so we'll only talk life. about him in the parrot room until the but time You can do whatever comes. you want, but I have to, I have to, uh, you know, I have to be very careful. Um, anyway, um, that, that's a very good idea. Thank you. So, one, uh, quickly in foreign policy news, a couple of things. Um, well, one is uh, this: this uh, there's been a big deal, a couple of stories in the Wall Street Journal about how Cuba is building various kinds of menacing things. I mean, China is in Cuba. There seems to be more of a partnership between China and Cuba. Turns out it actually goes back a few years. Uh, and the, the initial journal report on this was misleading. The eavesdropping station goes back a few years. Um, but then there's also supposedly some kind of military collaborative training thing or something on Cuba. I wrote about this in the uh, non-zero newsletter today. And the, and the main point is just like, this is what you get when you sanction the shit out of Cuba forever. Um, and they need money. They're going to do stuff like this. And everyone, the Bidens of the world, will read it as more evidence that the autocracies of the world are in league and we must launch a global global struggle against them. But it's a global struggle that's 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 creating them. I mean, it, it's the fact that we sanction autocracies and authoritarian governments that encourage them encourages them to be in. I have friends who are other. going to Cuba right now. How 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 severely sanctioned could they be? Well, they're not uh, political. They're just going to have a good time. It's 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 it's, it's never been impossible to travel there. Uh, it, it got easier during the Obama administration. I went there once. Um, but most of the sanctions, I mean, Trump, Obama tried to do an easing. It was a very constructive thing he deserves credit for. Trump, of course, I don't know what part of his ideology this supposedly flows from even, but Trump, of course, reinforced the, uh, you know, tight, retightened the screws. And and the part of his ideology it, it flows from is I want to get votes in Florida, of course. But um so now they're pretty bad, and Biden has not loosened things up uh, much, if at all. It's it's just, uh, and I don't know, I don't know why exactly, because because if he thinks he's ever going to win Florida, he, he he's wrong. Um, uh, right? Do you think at some point he'll, he'll write it off? Um, the I wonder if there are there pre-existing ethnic ties between China and Cuba. I once went to a Chinese Cuban restaurant in San Francisco, hmm. and I think there is an actual Chinese expat population that lived in Cuba for a while and probably still does. Could be. Um, uh, anyway, 
know. But Cuba, Cuba is involved everywhere. There's a Cuba has a huge African influence too. I mean, well, half of fucking big, African uh, music is 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 influenced by Cuban music. They have a big black population. Um, well, right, but we have a big black population. You don't. Well, I guess we're influencing African music too. I but think, I think American culture has some influence on the world, as I understand. But I, I think you know. I don't think it has to do with these uh, medics they send all over the world as goodwill Samaritans. Um, I think I think it does. Uh, like Peace Corps types. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, the Chinese Fine. Cuban food was good. Final quick foreign policy point. So in Israel, things are getting pretty bad uh, for the... So Israel raided uh, Jenin, a, I guess a refugee camp, uh, to try to uproot militants or something. And the militants were pretty well armed. They had some IEDs. They actually kind of blew up uh, an Israeli armored vehicle, at least enough to get Israel's attention. So for the first time in a long time... Israel brought in a helicopter that launched strikes on people on the ground, and they brought in a drone that did. And I just realized that the way things are going in Israel, far-right extremists controlling the government, they just put this uh, this far-right lunatic in charge of settlements. Um, and, you know, more and more of uh, the kind of armed Palestinian resistance you would expect in a situation like this, you add that to like the modern digital age and what this drone made me think of is like, it's just going to get kind of black mirror-ish where these Palestinians, I mean, not tomorrow, but I possibly in coming years uh, are being hunted down by these completely unmanned drones. And uh, Israel uh, has to risk less in the way of life and limb than ever. Uh, to crack the whip in the West Bank. And, and they've never had to risk much, of course, because they've got the guns, they've got the soldiers, and they've, they've got the armored vehicles. But it's just, it's getting so bad. It's getting so bad. And the, un the unmanned drones will be controlled not by the government, but by individual groups of settlers on the West Bank. Oh, man. See, that's the thing. They can, off-the-shelf technology... Like, it's like Uber, but for drones. Uh, look, you can, I mean, in, in Ukraine... Uh, some of the drones that are in use, probably on both sides, but I know Russia, for example, uh, they buy, you know, not armaments from China, apparently, but just these consumer drones that are that people use to take uh, like aerial sh uh, shots of their weddings and stuff. And so that's the that's a reconnaissance drone. But they also then equip them with these things that launch uh, that, that drop uh, hand grenades. And, yeah, settlers can do stuff like that. Um so uh, it's just uh, it's just horrible, and I, I think the U.S. government's as complicit as anyone. We've we've refused uh, to ever steer anyone forcefully toward any kind of uh, settlement, uh, and we had leverage with Israel more than we have now. I think didn't use it. Um, okay. Um, how long have we been talking? Long enough, I think. Um, uh, not an hour, but close. I mean, I mean, as long as we've been talking lately, so we could we could start yeah. our our our, our uh, we, we start our, the parrot room, our ramp up to the parrot room. Okay, uh, we haven't we didn't talk about Alito's trip. Talk about that there, or we can get rid of it now. Where'd he go? The the um, Alito was uh, 
bashed by ProPublica for taking a uh, flight from uh, Paul Singer. I don't know if you call him an investment banker. He's a Wall Street tycoon who I believe makes sort of threatening plays against the debt of foreign governments or something and wins big. Is he, the, is he the neocon funder? Yeah, he's a, he's he's also a big Free pro immigration beacon. guy. He's he's not the guy you want to, your Supreme Court justice taking a trip from. That's for sure. And they went on a hunting trip, and there's this picture of them with uh, they're a fishing trip with these huge I don't know trouts or bass or something. Uh, and Singer's holding one, and Alito's holding a little smaller one, and like the guide is holding another one. Uh, and uh, and 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 so. Alito wrote a pre-buttle because they sent him questions. And Alito said, ah, this is where the story's going. He wrote a pre-buttle in the Wall Street Journal, which doesn't seem to have gone over very well. Uh, and the main thing I'm troubled about is, is, is that he should, you know, all these right-wingers going around with tycoons, probably a bad thing. Probably liberals do it too. It's a bad thing when they do it too. Uh, the, the, the empty seat uh, defense is hilarious. Alito said in his pre-buttle, well, the seat otherwise would have been vacant. So I wasn't really costing Singer anything. I just jumped into an empty seat. Uh, and this was a rationale that Ariana Huffington used to use during uh, about 10 years ago. There was this big kerfuffle of how can you be a big green mocker, a big climate change activist, and take private flights. And Ariana's defense was the plane was going there anyway. Uh, and that's actually a good defense if all you're cared about is is it was a good defense for her and it actually worked for her because because all if all you care about is the emissions the extra emissions of carrying Ariana Huffington aren't very great if you cared about graft on mm-hmm. the other hand it's a very bad defense and of course it, it, she distinguished Ariana distinguished herself from Lori David who was an even bigger green activist who Mary flew David's her own plane. Wife. It, it, right, who flew her own plane to these events and was a huge uh, climate felon, you know? But, um, uh, so... Well, the Alito thing just seems like such a terrible I- idea in, in the wake of all the Clarence Thomas stuff, right? I mean, that's just fucking stupid. I'm sorry. These people... Well, it, this happened. Seems- I think this happened before the Clarence Thomas stuff. Oh, it out. did? Oh, it's only come to light lately? Is that it? I think so. I think so. I'm not sure. I think so. It's but, um, still like if you're on the Supreme Court, I mean, the thing about it is Paul Singer is such an activist. And, you know, he, he, he clearly wants to spend his money to get political things uh, done. Um, and by the way, he's, 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 he, he's, he start he launched the steel dossier, you know, uh, he launched he launched a steel dossier. He and then gave up on it. He, he he's the guy who supposedly caused Mitt Romney to choose Paul Ryan as his vice presidential candidate. Now, there's a disqualifying uh, you know, yeah. act right there. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, you, you're right. He's absolutely the worst guy you want to take a flight from. Mm. Uh, I, re- I don't know. I My father was a judge. He wouldn't even accept, uh, you know, the plaintiff's lawyers offered him to, to be the, the speaker and at, at, get some award, you know, j- judge of the year or something. And he, he declined it. He said, I don't take most valuable player awards. But I mean, there are a lot of judges mm-hmm. who are much more punctilious about this stuff than our Supreme Court justices are. Totally. I guess I guess they think they're underpaid. And I guess they are maybe underpaid by well, current standards. But, you know, they're paid enough to live on. They should be careful. Oh, totally. I mean, my father uh, was the same way. He had he actually had the power for a while. He 
He was involved in the awarding of contracts to uh, restaurants that would serve uh, soldiers in various places. And and I was with him at one. And the, the guy said, oh, you don't have to pay for this. You know, they were going to give us a free meal and he wouldn't take it. Yeah. Um, I think you're allowed to vote, though. Didn't your father not vote? You're allowed to vote, but there used to be this tradition among some people in the military that that political the division between civilian control and uh, the military was so sacred that military officers should not vote. And my father didn't uh, vote. Uh, I bet Mark Milley voted. Milley for Prez, man. <laughs> He's an Eisenhower-like figure, Bob. And he isn't. Well, I mean. He's probably actually, objectively speaking, he's as good a politician. Eisenhower just had the aura from having won World War II. So he he didn't. I mean, Eisenhower and, wasn't a compelling presence. And Billy has the aura from losing Afghanistan. So they're equivalent. We can't pin that on him, can we? He was, sure, you can pin some of it on him. A, a, a it was a bungled withdrawal. He was in charge right. of the withdrawal. B, the whole operation, we were conned by these guys who we thought were on our side. And as soon as they were just waiting for us to leave and they were going to turn tail immediately, they were totally in, in league with the, the enemy. Uh, and, and, and what kind of military tells us doesn't know that. Yeah. Thinks you're going to hold out for six months when in fact you're going to hold out for six minutes. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, I'm groping, I'm groping for Biden alternatives. Sometimes they reach too far. Okay. Um, um, so what are we going to talk about in the pair? You're, you're back to Ro, you know. Um, you're back to Rokana. Um, totally. Uh, we, uh, there was a, 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 a very interesting conference that I actually got up and, uh, and watched. There's a, there's this. Oh, I thought you were going to say you spoke at it, and I thought there must no. be some mistake. Yeah. Okay. There's this, there's this interesting schismatic debate between the old line AEI people who believe in the market and the economy is actually capitalism actually doing a pretty good job for most people. And the Orrin Cass, funded by the left American Compass Institute, which says, uh, no, capitalism isn't working. It needs major modifications, but they claim to still be on the right. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm torn. I have loyalties to both camps. So they had a big conference and they fought it out. They had like a cage match, a Musk versus Zuckerberg cage match in Washington. I could talk about that. They actually had some interesting uh, emanations. Uh there's, and, uh, and I want to talk about you're talking. We're, we're, you're talking about what you're going to talk about in the pair room, right? Right. And the, ba the basic the question is: If the economy is going so well, why are people so unhappy? That's the basic question. Go ahead, sir. I want to talk about the the another aspect of, of the Musk Zuckerberg uh, cage match, which I think which I think it's safe to say is not going to happen. But but what gave rise to it is Instagram is going to start a Twitter clone. So I want to talk about that. Uh, Prigozhin, huh. uh, head of the Wagner Group has gone what some people are calling completely berserk. He said, wilder shit than ever this week. Um, talk uh, about the the, um, the ill-fated Titanic uh, thing. Right, there's a sub. Mm. I don't know. Uh, I have a I little thought something. The, I, thought the, I thought the, good, okay. Uh, I don't think we have anything new about affirmative action. It's just going to be abolished any day now. Uh, okay. There's an interesting Ganesh Janan Ganesh column. He, cl he claims that populism in, in the West is now completely continentalist. It's just become truly a tribal war where you root for Trump the way you root for a soccer team. No, is he the he rehabilitated can no Canadian Me Too guy? No. Hmm. He's the finest columnist in the world because he can do the politics and do the liter literature. Mm -hmm. uh, he's very good. He's a great writer. Uh, he seems to 
I, I've disagreed with him a lot lately. Uh, there's uh, why I hate EVs, why I'm coming to hate EVs. Okay. We're all going to be driving EVs in six years, and I'm not too happy about it. Uh, there's uh, um, my I'll fill in the air time. Coming. I want to talk about UFOs. I have something new to say about, well, okay. it's, it's, is it new? Mike, it's new Mike to Kinsley's, you. Yeah. It'll be new to me. Mike Kinsley's wife became publisher of the Washington Post. She did. She did. Now, she swears it's not permanent or CEO technically, right? With CEO or publisher? That's Patty Stone Cypher. Uh, and of course, she, of course, she has a huge career to herself. That article didn't even mention she was Mike Kinsley's wife, but she is Mike. That's Kinsley's how wife. huge her career is. Uh, exactly. Uh, and uh, she's already being attacked. Uh, there was a good article by uh, Matthew Cottonetti about calling for supply side, a revival of supply side economics. But thank God it does not involve more tax cuts. It, I'll tell you what it does involve. You know, he's Bill uh, Crystal's son-in-law. Right. Well, maybe they'll run him. Mm. Uh, Biden industrial policy, is, this is the segue to the EV hatred, has kicked in big time. They just, Ford just got, ni- got $9.2 billion with a B to start three battery plants. So that they're not fooling around anymore when they're giving $9.2 billion to major corporate interests. Uh, but apparently manufacturing they, costs for some things are so much higher in America that you have to give them a massive subsidy for it to make sense for them to manufacture it here rather than somewhere else, especially chips. Although less massive than before when there were supply chain problems and people realized, hey, there's advantages to manufacturing here. Um, uh, and it, it was also just announced that Hunter Biden is going to be on the Ford Board of Directors. Just joking. Um, uh, but there's no possibility for corruption here. None at all. Uh, and uh, I I watched the second episode of Silo. I don't. I well, my we can progress talk about is that. going like I'm going a Ukraine counteroffensive sort of, you know, inch by inch progress through Silo. But I like if you th- like if you think it's hard so far. Well, actually, I'll tell you which part of episode three to fast forward through. Anyway, we can talk about the the, <laughs> the fate of the lovely Rashida Jones. Um and um, uh, what? Yeah, I haven't been watching much of. Oh, Anything. I have, I claim Biden has a reverse Epstein problem. I'll explain to you what that means. That's a, oh, I know what I'll do. On the, I know what I'll do. Uh, reverse Epstein. I've been invited to be on a controversial podcast. I've tentatively said yes, but I certainly won't won't go without clearing it with you. And I'm going to clear it with you in the paragraph. Clear it with Mickey. Yeah. That's our policy here. Some people would what, say, what seriously, po- some pod- people would say, podcast- don't go on this podcast. Really? Yep. Some would. Um, God, I can't think of what it is. It's not. Oh, it's are you? Are you? What's are you? Or whatever the Russian, Russian channel is. R T R E. The mm-hmm. Russian television channel. No, but you're not completely removed from the realm we're talking about. That's all we're going to say. Suspense. We're, okay. we're preserving suspense. It's not R T. RT, I would probably not go on. Actually, that's such a, such a, uh, such a public relations burden. Um, well, it sounds like we have a lot of little things. Um, 
But you never yeah. know what, what might happen. Yeah. Uh, so, so without further ado, there's also a a a a a yeah. There's the name of a rock group that seems to be wildly important that I've never heard of. And I want to see if you've ever heard of them. Okay. Uh, that sounds interesting. Okay. So w that will all be at uh, patreon.com slash parrot room or the part we remember to talk about at least. Um, also, you should read the non-zero newsletter. Oh, and smash the like button. We should have said it at the beginning. It works when you say it at the beginning. Smash the smash like it. button. Rate and review. Exactly. Okay. <laughs>